Episode number 10. Today's show is under the category Ask Chris, where a listener contacted me and said his building was taken over by gangsters. This is the Crime School Radio Show, where industry experts discuss the business of fighting crime and prevention strategies for making places safe. Leading today's discussion is security expert Chris McGoey. Welcome to Crime School. Today we're going to do something a little bit different. You're going to be able to listen in and almost eavesdrop in on a conversation I had with a caller about a very serious crime problem. I mean, that's pretty much what I do for a living for the last several decades. I answer questions. I give first impressions, gut reactions, opinions about how to solve a specific crime or loss prevention problem. So today we're going to kind of walk through that process. In fact, going forward, I think I'm going to start a new category, and I think we'll call it Ask Chris, where I'll answer your questions. If you have a specific crime or loss problem or liability issue that's very narrow in focus, contact me, and maybe we'll play it on the air and discuss it so others can listen and maybe learn something about that process. So let me give you some background. I was contacted by an individual, and I think we'll call him Victor for today's show because he asked me not to use his name. Frankly, he's scared, and you'll understand why in a few minutes. The message he left me was that he owns an apartment building in Los Angeles, and it's taken over by gangsters. Please call me. He left his phone number. So I was intrigued, obviously. I called him back. Now, I've learned from many years of experience that oftentimes reports like this are extremely exaggerated. And I assume that the, the caller was just telling me that maybe there's somebody in an apartment building that looks like a gangster, or maybe they're wearing colors that they believe uh, are gang colors. That's normally what it turns out to be. But anyway, I got Victor on the line, and here's what he told me. He said his elderly mother owns a two-story building in a very high-crime neighborhood of Los Angeles. It's a fourplex, meaning there's only four units in a two-story building. So two units down, two units up, and it has a parking lot. In recent months, his mother has become very ill, and she's now physically unable to manage the property any longer. Now, this property has been owned by his mother for years, and she's always taken good care of it. As her son, he's moved on with his life. He has a full-time job. He has a family. He lives about 80 miles away. So all of a sudden now, he's sort of thrust into the middle of handling her affairs, including this apartment building. What he could tell me is that as he went out to investigate the apartment building because they weren't receiving rent, he found that it was taken over by gangsters. Now, literally taken over by local gang members. So I asked more questions, and as far as he could tell, he had two tenants in the building, but only one tenant was paying rent. One of the tenants on the ground floor was a HUD Section 8 tenant, uh, which means they were getting rent check from the, uh, the government. But other than that, no cash flow was coming. 
The first time he went to the building, he kind of sat outside and he saw a whole crowd of people standing out front. He saw traffic going in and out of the units. All the doors, uh, the gates to the fences were standing open. And it was like a dormitory with people just walking back and forth. So he was afraid to approach. He told me he went back later in the evening and he saw the same thing, only the, the conditions were worse. It seemed like his mother's building now turned out to be the local hangout. Victor also told me if that wasn't bad enough, he saw a lot of female traffic and male traffic going up to a certain unit on the top floor, and he believes that there's prostitution going on in the building. And from all the traffic, he concludes that there's also drug activity. He doesn't know the extent of it. Now, he told me he contacted the police, which would seem to be the obvious first impression of what somebody would do. But he said the police responded, and they walked up there, and they talked to people. He wasn't present. The people said they lived there, that they were paying rent there, and he couldn't disprove it. He didn't really have any paperwork. He didn't have any keys, didn't have any documents, and his mother was really unable to, to help him. So the police reported back to him, I think rightly so, that there's really nothing we could do. This is a civil matter. This is private property. These are your tenants, or people are occupying your units, and it's a civil matter if you want to get them out. So Victor now is beside himself. He's frustrated. He wants to clean out the whole building and kind of start over, but he doesn't know what to do. And frankly, he's afraid. He said there's two cars on his property that seem to be abandoned, or he thinks they're probably stolen. So he's asking me very simple questions. I mean, what should I do? Should I buy a video camera? Should I hire a security guard patrol? You know, document proof of crime and try to get these people arrested? Uh, he was serious. What should I do? He gave me the physical address of the property. I told him I'd get back to him. So nowadays you can go on Google Earth or Google Street View, right? And I brought up images of his building. And with Google Street View, I'm actually able to walk around the building, much like I'm there, and take a look at his building, the adjacent buildings, and the neighborhood in general. Now, given that these Google images might be months old, they still give me some benefit of seeing what I'm working with. I also looked at Google Earth View so I can get a sense of the neighborhood. Uh, I sort of already generally know this part of Los Angeles, but once you look at the neighborhood, you see how densely packed it is. It is almost 100% housing of different types, high-density housing, and very supportive of a high-crime neighborhood. So on the Crime School website for this episode, I've included a picture of this building. So if you're at your desktop or on your laptop, I realize this is an audio show, but take a look at these images and see for yourself and see if you see the same things that I do about this building and this neighborhood and maybe follow along with some of my recommendations. So after giving it some thought and looking at the images, I got Victor back on the phone and we had a serious conversation. And I told Victor, I said, first and foremost, your first priority is the safety of any existing tenants or any unit occupants, even trespassers on your property. You have to make sure that they're reasonably safe. This is a valuable investment. When you look at the photo, you'll see that it's a corner lot. It has a parking lot, which is really unusual. 
It's a nice four-unit complex, two-story, very compact, on a nice corner lot with parking. So it's a very valuable piece of property at one time. And unfortunately, the nature of the neighborhood, the high crime neighborhood, is pulling down the value. Now, to the extent that you haven't maintained it or you've let it go into decay, will impact its value. But for now, as the property owner, the property manager, the landlord, if you will, even in his temporary role, he has the duty to protect his tenants and all those that are on his property. So knowing that you have gang activity, you have active, maybe drug activity, prostitution, you have to act. You can't sit back and do nothing. So I inquired about his background, his experience, and he frankly told me that even though his mother has owned the property for some time and was an experienced uh, property manager, he knew nothing. It wasn't his interest. She never bothered to train him. He knew nothing about leasing, knew nothing about the legal aspects of being a landlord or landlord-tenant law. So here's kind of what I, what I told him. I mean, that's obviously something. He needs to get a crash course if he's going to take this thing over. He needed to proceed quickly, but he needed to take it step-by-step step in an organized manner. If he simply rushes in there and does any one single thing, he's either going to make the property situation worse or he's going to create additional problems. So he needs help. So I told him first, you need to do some sort of an assessment. You need to find out who's living there or who's supposed to be living there. So search your house, search your mother's house for paperwork. Somewhere there's probably a file. There might, hopefully there's leases, there's rent checks, there's receipts, there's deposit accounts, maybe some correspondence and find out exactly who is supposed to be there. If you expect to get any help from anyone, including law enforcement, you have to know these things. I suggest that you try to locate a property management consultant in that neighborhood or somewhere in South Los Angeles. They're out there. Someone who specializes in working with distressed rental housing properties. Because you're going to definitely need some help with somebody in the know about how to make lawful evictions, uh, how to do an emergency board up, how to do a building rehabilitation, and have some strategy and timeline for that. You need someone who could help you with leasing, both in enforcing the current terms of the lease, serving notices, curing violations of the lease, serving eviction notices, or maybe walking through the process of unlawful detainer. So there's many moving parts and many steps, and you're not equipped at the moment to handle any of those things. I suggest you spend a little money to get an expert on the subject and let them walk you through it step by step. I think this is important enough that you should consider taking some time off of work so you can get the training that you need, find the help that you need, get organized to the level that you need, and then focus on all these issues and execute within the shortest time span possible. I think you had need to have a meeting, a family meeting, to determine is it in your best interest to keep the building and try to work through all these problems or sell the building because you're not really equipped at the moment to handle it. So to the extent that your mother is able, have a real conversation about this project. This is a valuable piece of real estate. It is a potentially good investment, but in its current location and current state, it is more of a liability than it is a viable investment. 
So I propose to you a plan of action, and here's kind of a, t- a general timeline that I would follow if it was my property, if I was working with you. One of the first things I would do, I would partner with the Los Angeles Police Department. And by partnering, I mean, I would go to the station nearest you is called the 77th Street Community Station. It's only about a half a mile away. These police stations, they used to be called precincts. Now they're called uh, community stations. But I would go in there and solicit support. The station is managed by a captain. Ideally, make an appointment to see this captain. Introduce yourself. Tell them where your property is. Tell them what your concerns are, what you've personally observed, and that there's criminal activity going on. Open and active criminal activity. So he has an absolute interest and the duty to assist you in solving that problem because it is criminal activity. But since it's private property, you really need to work together because part of it is private and civil. Another part is public and criminal. So working together as a team, you could do more things together and faster. I would make it your business to learn who the beat officers are the police officers who actually patrol your streets. They've also changed that in Los Angeles. They don't call them beats anymore. They call them cars, C-A-R-S. So there's a two-man team. There's two police officers in a car. They patrol a certain geographic area, including your apartment building, over three different shifts. So if I were you, I would meet these officers, identify them, and have them meet you at a certain time and place introduce yourself, tell them what you're trying to do. It's in their best interest to know you, to understand your problem, and to try to help. Now, they're not going to step up and be your private security guards or your personal law enforcement team, but they have an interest in dealing with a property that might be a drug house, a cracked house, a place of prostitution, a place of uh, gang activity. So they're, they're definitely interested, and you're giving them a inside because you're the property owner. So you want to work together. You'll also find, just like when you have a friend, you do favors, or they're more likely to respond to you out of the thousands of calls that are made if Victor calls and says, you know, hey, I got a problem, or these are the conditions that are going on right now, you're more likely to get a response. The other thing about the police station, they have a lot of resources. They have a crime prevention unit. They probably have a drug unit, a gang unit, uh, different uh, code section enforcement units, uh, many things that could be brought to bear. They also have a good connection with the fire department, obviously, as a partner. So putting together a team as you go forward will help you clear out this building very quickly, but in a safe manner. Victor, the other thing I recommend that you do is that you partner with your local apartment association. You need training. You literally need a crash course in property management. Right now, you really don't know anything. So your instincts could very well get you in trouble if you just rush in there and start throwing people out, locking them out, changing the locks. You may find yourself in a bad way if they're savvy, and many of them are these days that uh, want to take over an apartment unit, they may fight back. And once they hunker down there, it may take you 60, 90 days to, to get them out. So if you do a little prep, a little planning, you can get everyone out much faster uh, without having a lot of problems. 
So get a hold of your local apartment association. That's what they do. Their members are all apartment building owners, just like you, just like your family and property managers. So they're very likely to be able to help you, to point you in the right direction, to hook you up with property management consultants and those that have expertise in dealing with just this type of problem with a distressed property in a high crime neighborhood. You desperately need to know the lawful way of going about serving evictions, serving notices. So you need to learn about the paperwork very quickly, about the proper lease documentation. You need to learn about notices uh, for lease violations, for failure to pay rent, for not following the rules, uh, different uh, eviction protocols. Uh, All this will be available at the Property Management Association. And taking a crash course initially will at least get you on the same page. So when everyone else is speaking Greek and you don't understand that language, they will get you going uh, much faster. Now, once you locate a property management consultant, listen to that person and then begin to take back your property, but again, in an organized manner. What you're going to have to do with the, the police behind your back, the property management consultant behind your back, and after having reviewed all the paperwork and doing all your homework, you're going to know, I believe, who are your legal tenants, meaning who has a lease and who's paying rent and who is not. And it's just a process of going almost door to door to establish who has legal residency and who doesn't. As you find vacant units, you'll be able to uh, close those up, board those up. And, uh, and those where you have people that are occupying the unit, sometimes it's a matter of just discovering them. They know darn well they don't have a right to be there, even though they may try to bluff. They know they don't have a lease. They know they don't, they're not paying rent. They know they don't have proof of paying rent. And with a uh, police officer or sheriff in civil standby mode and proper documentation, if there are someone occupying their unit, they're more likely just want to take off rather than, than face the scrutiny of a, of a police investigation. And again, if you could recover that unit, you could secure it. Uh, you, could, you could board it up. You could take control back and to the point where you have your building back. The nice thing about having your property management consultant by your side is you're going to do it properly. You're going to do it lawfully. You're going to do it with the right documentation, with the right notices. So should something go wrong or someone try to claim that they're a legal resident or a sub-lessee, in other words, they they leased it from the prior tenant without telling you, they're not going to have the documentation, and you are. Your property management consultant's also going to walk you through any issues of removing abandoned property, abandoned furniture, any stolen vehicles or or property, uh, how to handle that situation. And once you get control of the building again and you get the the squatters out of there, then and only then really could you begin your property assessment and make decisions going forward about is it in your best interest as an investment to sell the property or to rehabilitate it and try to rent it once again. Before we go to the next phase, talking about maybe what you should do next, I want to look at the property. I know this is an audio show and you don't have the ability to have an image in front of you, but if you go to the Crime School website under this episode number 10, you'll see that I posted two images. One is a snapshot from the Google Street View of this building. 
and we could all look at it together and, and kind of talk about it. And, and you could think about what are your own impressions by looking at it. And right below this image, I have a snapshot of, of the neighborhood. And as you can see, it is just a packed neighborhood. There is really no available space anywhere in this neighborhood, just one house after another. There's many apartment properties. I would just guess that 70% of all the building structures are rental properties of some form. It's very high density. And because of that and many other things, the property inventory is very old. The condition of the properties in many cases is poor. It is typically a low income or very low income neighborhood. For that and for many other reasons, it becomes a high crime neighborhood. Now looking at the photograph of your building from the street view, down in the lower left-hand corner, you could see gang tags. And this is supportive of what uh, Victor has, has told me, that this is a, his building is taken over by gangs. And this is a gang neighborhood. Now, when you start working with the police department, they'll know for certain. And when you start working with the officers in the, in the cars on your beat, they will know for certain. They'll be able to tell you which gangs. Unfortunately, I think you're going to find out that your corner might be, you know, in the heart of their turf and they've taken over your building. And that's a place where they transact business. Until you know for certain how long they've been in there, this may be uh, gang central. I mean, this, this may be the place that, where they set up shop for drug activity. Uh, worst case scenario is that they're manufacturing drugs inside of one of your units. They're cooking uh, cocaine or, or methamphetamine. That would be a, a very serious situation because it's going to mean uh, condemnation of your building. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. So as I said, it's a, it's a nice building ordinarily. It's like a box. It's a rectangle. There's two units on the bottom. You've told me that they are two bedroom, one bath, two units on top. And you have a parking lot, which is really unusual. You have a parking lot for about six vehicles. It's a corner lot. So back in the day, this was a very valuable building. Uh, I could see this as probably being a desirable place to live. Now it's, it's just housing for someone who can't afford much and really probably has limited options about where they could live. So they just need a place where they could close the door and lock it, hopefully, and, and be safe for their family. Now this building is actually, uh, because of its design and because of its size, it's relatively easy to secure, but for its location. The building is surrounded by crime, by criminal activity. And in this case, crime has found its way to your doorstep. The criminal actors, the gang members, the prostitutes, the drug buyers and sellers are at your doorstep. So it's much more difficult to change. You can only control your property, this building, your parking lot. You really don't have much control over the neighborhood. So your first impression to go out, do I buy video cameras? Do I hire a security guard? Do I do any of these external things? The short answer is no. This could be a waste of money at this standpoint. The problems are much more serious than that. The situation has gone too far for too long. And frankly, it's going to be very difficult to bring this property back to any level of safety where you could rent it out to new tenants and feel good about it and have a belief that they're going to be reasonably safe unless you could change things drastically on your little corner of the world. So I noticed in this building, it looks like your mother at some point built a fence around it. There is a decorative wrought iron fence around the building. It's a significant barrier. It has a sliding gate for the vehicles to, to enter. I can't tell if it's automatic or manual by looking at this photograph. 
There's a pedestrian gate walking into the building, and in the picture, it's standing open. So that sort of goes along with the theme of this property. It's, it's not secured. I notice that there's furniture piled up out on the sidewalk in front, like uh, you or someone's trying to vacate a unit, and there's abandoned furniture, so it's now it's just dumped on the street. And I see someone put a for rent sign up on the balcony railing, as if to entice someone in off the street to rent in this gang location. But so far from looking at the photographs, you have four door entries into each unit. Look at this building like a box. That's all it is. It's a box. Entryways into the box are the doors and the windows. It looks like you've made an attempt to fortify the doors. It looks like you or your mother has added decorative wrought iron security doors on each entryway. That's a, that's a good step. These doors swing out. Uh, there's a deadbolt. You have to unlock the door and pull it towards you so it swings out. That sort of protects against someone kicking the door easily. I can't tell what kind of doors are behind that. It looks like someone put replacement windows in at one time. So all the ground floor windows now are accessible, forcing them open or, or simply breaking the glass. I noticed from looking around the neighborhood with Google Street View that most other similar properties have bars on windows. So they've imprisoned themselves inside. Bars on windows are going to be much more formidable, but you have a problem that for sleeping rooms, you can't put bars on windows. It's a fire code violation. Your tenants have to be able to get out in case of fire from a bedroom through a window if necessary. So if you do decide to install bars on windows, they need to be the type that have a release on the inside. But that's another show. Just looking around to the extent I can tell, the lighting on the building doesn't look extreme. It looks like it's probably somewhat dim at night. I would suspect if you go out there at night, some of these lights are probably disabled. If there is gang activity or prostitution going on, they usually want it as dim as possible. So it's typical for them to take the lights out. So that would be something you want to address in the future. So to start out with your property management consultant and you take control of this building, if you're able to essentially evict everyone or relocate your one lawful Section 8 tenant and take the building back, I would do an emergency board up. Literally go out there with uh, heavy-duty, even three-quarter-inch plywood, board up the doors, board up the windows. It's going to look really ugly for a while. But that way there, you take away all the occupancy, all the potential for someone to come in and actually occupy and use your units for a while. It buys you time. It gives you time to make decisions about rehabilitation or maybe selling the property. I would, if it were me, I would contact your neighbors. If there's any homeowner occupiers there, that would be best. Uh, when you first meet them, they're going to be really mad at you for what you've done or what your mother had allowed to have happen in this neighborhood because it's impacted them, obviously. But once they get over that, that glare and yelling at you, then they might be able to tell you what's really going on. And about the activity, times a day, days of week, how they're using it. Are they standing on the corners uh, on, on the nights? Are they openly in, engaged in things? So they'll be able to tell you. Eventually, before walking away, you want to set up some sort of communication with them. With uh, your neighbors and the help of your local law enforcement station, you want to set up like a neighborhood watch system where all of you that are property owners work together to help each other out. You want to become the eyes and ears of the neighborhood for each other. 
and working with the Los Angeles Police Department. Again, as a team, they could bring enforcement resources down on this neighborhood to move that gang traffic away so you could literally take back this block. You're not going to solve all the problems of the neighborhood, but you could take back this block. Part of it is you have to go about a project of removing all the gang graffiti. Those are the tags that marks their turf, that makes it their turf. Uh, It's not easy removing the tags. Sometimes you take them down, they'll be back up within a matter of hours. But it's a slow process of changing the nature of the neighborhood. Uh, With enough enforcement and enough attention, you can get a group of gang members to move. It might be a few blocks, hopefully a little bit more. But you can take back a neighborhood with a organized, effective, sort of a concentrated and consistent approach. Once you have your building back with your, your new partners, you have to make an evaluation about the building. You have to make a determination, is it fit for use? At one time, your mother had a occupancy permit. She probably has a business license to use this building as a rental property. Depending on the condition of the building, your building may not be fit for habitation. It may be contaminated. If there was drug manufacturing going on, your building may be condemned, at least temporarily. You need to find all those things out. It might, it might need to be inspected. I've seen buildings like this where the property owner wanted to rehab it, but literally had to go in and strip all the building materials down to the studs. That means take off all the drywall, remove all the carpeting, take out all the appliances, and just get it down to the bare frame to get all the contaminants out of the system and then rebuild it's going to cost a small fortune. So with partners, I would get a real estate partner. I would get an investment partner to help you determine whether it's worth the kind of money you're going to have to put into it to get it back up to a livable standard, a reasonable standard. You know, the bottom line is until this property is fit to live in and reasonably safe, you have no business renting this thing out to tenants because you're exposing yourself greatly to liability, you're putting your entire investment at risk, and you're endangering any tenants that you would put in there, because now you know that this neighborhood was dangerous, it was a gang territory, this specific building had criminal activity. So to rent to someone else without disclosing all of that, or frankly even disclosing wouldn't let you off the hook, it would just be very risky in the near term to to rent to another individual. So if it were me, I've been a property manager for four decades. I've owned uh, properties. I've leased to to a variety of, of tenants on small buildings. And on your mother's behalf, I would seek advice from real estate investors, uh, from property managers, to see if this property is really worth the investment for you going forward. If your mother's gonna be completely out of the picture, It doesn't sound like you're capable or even interested or willing to manage this investment. It's going to cost you a small fortune to rehab it and get it back up to speed. To get the property fit for habitation, to get an occupancy permit, if you even think of renting the property again and getting tenants, all of those things are going to require a a building that is fit for, for habitation. I think you need to, uh, to the extent you can work with your mother, look at documentation, you need to investigate what's the, what's the current property debt service. Uh, what's it going to cost to do this full rehab? Do you have adequate insurance moving forward? 
You're going to have to make budgets. What's it going to cost me to do all of these things, to make all the changes inside and out? What's the forecast for profit and loss? Even if I do rent all four units, what's the market rate? What is the subsidy rate I would get from the government? So based on all my costs to operate and make this property reasonably safe, based on the rental income, is there any profit margin left? There might not be. It just may not be worth the cost of, of going through that process. Now, the worst thing you could do is take a shortcut. The absolutely worst thing is to just make some quick fixes, put some Band-Aids on this property, maybe give it a paint job, put in some new carpeting. Just a quick, try to make it ready uh, for rental would be an absolute mistake and a tragedy, frankly. If you put tenants in without making any of these substantial changes, you would be putting yourself at major risk for premises liability. If one of your tenants got injured, got attacked from a local criminal, and they filed a lawsuit against you, more than likely you would lose, and you would lose big. You would lose the value of the entire investment, plus any personal holdings, potentially, if they sued you for your malicious conduct and sought punitive damages. You don't want to mess with this. This is serious. Your neighbors might be witnesses against you about how you turn this property into the neighborhood sore spot. So the message is you need help. You need to get professional advice. Spend the money now to, to make all these decisions. See if it can be fixed. Get organized so you can make decisions. And then you want to act decisively. You want to make a detailed action plan and actually put it in the timeline so you can do many things quickly. That's going to be the most economic. You want to execute the plan fully according to your plan, and you want to use partners, as we discussed. If you do all those things, you'll find that the property will improve very quickly. So, Victor, I hope that helps. I didn't want to overwhelm you with information. This is kind of a serious situation, and I wish you the best. There's more to this story, so here's my epilogue. I'm always curious about the outcome of a situation. After I advise someone on the phone who is obviously stressed out and overwhelmed about a crime situation, did they listen? Did they heed any of my advice? Did they take any steps to solve the serious crime problems that they complained about? The easy route is to do the minimum. In a case of a building, just to patch it up. Shampoo the carpets, give it a coat of paint, and slap a for rent sign on it. Like putting a band-aid on a serious wound, it won't really stop the bleeding or prevent infection. In this case, Victor listened. He told me that he took detailed notes when we spoke. After we hung up, he said he was excited that there was a pathway through this maze of complex issues and showed him that there was light at the end of the tunnel. Victor told me that he immediately contacted the Los Angeles Police Department. He contacted his mother's accountant and found files on this property. He contacted the Apartment Association and got important referrals to consultants and advisors. Here's what Victor told me he learned about the property. He found out there was no rent coming in for months. The two former tenants stopped paying rent months ago. He learned that that was probably because he lost eligibility for the housing assistant voucher program that they previously had. 
He had no paperwork on any of the present occupants and is presuming that they're squatters and trespassers. He found no evidence of any formal notices being served or posted to vacate the premises. He discovered that there's past due mortgage, there's outstanding utility bills, and there's tax debt. With the advice of his property management consultant, he properly served and posted notices on the building. Any units that were unoccupied or seemingly unoccupied, they quickly did an emergency board up. Any occupants that were discovered and had no basis for living there voluntarily and hurriedly evacuated, since Victor rightly so had a civil standby by the local sheriff's office. When those units were vacant, he did an emergency board up as well. He learned that the police department, understandably, was very unhappy with him and his mother, even though he had nothing to do with this property condition. The property was so bad that they were undertaking a nuisance abatement, and they were about to come down hard with all of the city resources to shut this property down. As it turns out, this is a high-crime gang neighborhood, and the gang members live in the neighborhood. Many are living home with mom, and his property, that corner property that seemed abandoned, was like their playground. That's where they would go and hang out. That's why they took it over. There was no one there to stop them, no one there to run them off. So looking forward, since the gang members live in this neighborhood, the likelihood of it being a continuing problem is very real. Through his contact with the property management consultant, he was hooked up with a individual who buys buildings. He's a realtor, and he's also a flipper, which means he will purchase a very distressed property He has the ability as a contractor to also rehab it very efficiently and then return it into a almost brand new property for investment purposes. So Victor decided after looking at the totality of the circumstances and having a family meeting that the best option was to sell the property immediately to this real estate slash fixer-upper slash property flipper and relieve all this stress and all this burden associated with trying to manage and repair or rehabilitate a property in this location. They also made the decision to move his mother closer to his home, and he could return to his lifestyle and his family. So as it turns out, this was a positive outcome, and if everything goes through as intended, everyone will be better served, including this neighborhood. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I try to present a variety of educational topics, but keeping with the theme of making places safe for people and property. The subject matter of Crime School is influenced by your feedback, so I encourage you to tell me about your ideas for future discussion. I'm always looking for a guest. If you have a particular crime or loss prevention expertise, you have a special legal background about liability, you have an interesting crime prevention product to review, or if you're a crime victim with a motivating story and outcome to share, I want to talk to you. Now, I'm not very active on social media. I'm old. What could I say? I don't quite get it, but I'm trying to learn. Meanwhile, I appreciate those who are active in social media to share these episodes to attract others who may want to learn and benefit from this content. In fact, if you have an iTunes account, 
and you want to help others find Crime School, please leave us a five-star rating and review. That will really help us be discovered. I invite you to join the Crime School community. We're all like-minded people. You could provide your email address on any web page, any opt-in form on the Crime School website. In this way, you'll receive immediate notification of any new audio or video episodes published, or any special events for that matter. Thank you for participating in Crime School and for doing your part in making places safe. This is the Crime School Radio Show with your host, Chris McGoey. We invite you to comment on today's topic and join the Crime School community. For more information and show notes from this episode, please visit crimeschool.com.